0: This is the Bourbon Bookshelf Podcast, where we cover books, beverages, and the general BS of the day. A few disclaimers, we are not literary experts, or experts in anything for that matter. And explicit content should be expected. I am your host, Barry Price. I hope you enjoy the show. At five, Ola. Good evening, it's, gentlemen. It's six That's o'clock. Five o'clock Central. Five o'clock Central. What are you guys drinking? I
1: am drinking. I'm going to try some of this here, Becky Crick a fine texas spirit whiskey good
2: jared well i'm currently drinking appalachian mountain breweries uh long leaf ipa or excuse me india pale ale like i guess it is ipa I feel like an idiot now yes you should <laughs> <laughs> no, I how many thought, of them I things have you it- had Look, I thought it said something <laughs> else on here. I thought it when I was reading it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, good. Might I too. In North Carolina.
0: <laughs> I too am drinking Rebecca Creek fine Texas spirit whiskey, and uh, I thought I had a small batch bottle, but I'm not so sure of that anymore. I'll have to do some more research. And I only then, saw the one bottle when I went in. Well, maybe it is a small batch. Uh, Something I was researching yesterday, John, you may know, I've gotten several different opinions is how to actually drink bourbon and or whiskey. I just saw you doing one of the few things I know, which is put it to your nose and then breathe through your mouth. Yeah, that's breathe with your
1: mouth open and your mouth closed it will get different scents.
2: Hmm. I'm uh I am in search of a, a whiskey or bourbon glass under or or something that is not $50. So if y'all have any where <laughs> are you <Listen>, shopping? <laughs> listen, I'm shopping on Google, man. I said I need some bourbon glasses, and they're showing me some top-notch. Listen, I need—I want a designated, that's all it goes in it. Listen, I can just as or easy just pop, to Walmart. Pop down You're down being pretty Audi. picky for someone with a budget. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you got to be <laughs> –
0: by the way, Rebecca Creek, Jared says he cannot locate any in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. So,
2: get your rep out there. You can't find any within 21 miles. I went to your website.
0: So, hopefully they'll hear this, solve that. Uh, one thing following up on from the last episode, we talked about uh, – my digital versus paper debate as we often do I think I finally settled it uh, I think uh, think ultimately I'm gonna land on reading digital it's damn near impossible to beat the convenience of it uh, the other night I couldn't sleep I was up till one or two in the morning my better half was sleeping next to me so I didn't want to turn on the lamp and read my physical book um, discussing tonight. So I went on my phone and downloaded one and proceeded to read 15% of it that night. And so, uh, just for things like that and always having a digital copy on me, i say it probably wins, but if I'm going to be on vacation or sitting on a deck at a cabin or on a beach or something, uh, I think paper's definitely the way to go. It still feels more relaxing. Um, and more intimate for lack of a better word.
1: Definitely agree with you there.
0: Yeah. You recently read a book paper after being on a good stretch of digital. How'd that feel? I really did,
1: um, missed it, I guess. I don't think I'm going to go back
0: to the majority of my
1: reading, but I do still have a pile of books that are waiting to be read. So I don't have a problem picking them up. Yeah, and uh, a good friend of mine just sent me two analog books, so I'm gonna have to pick those up too.
0: Yes, sir. Yep, yeah, I uh, definitely my existing library will still all be read on paper, and it's substantial.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he sent us a picture of form, like a
0: like hundred unread books. I'm not any better. It's half my net worth tied up in that library. What uh, what books y'all got? John, The Cold Vanish. Good. Jared?
2: Got The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. There
0: you go. Hey, you pronounced it correctly. John, why don't you go ahead with yours? All right. What are you reviewing? Oh, I've got uh, Killing Crazy Horse by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Duggard. Let's, Let's be honest, though. Martin Duggard did all the writing. All of it.
1: All right. Well, I'll get into it. I read The Cold Vanish, Seeking the Missing in North America's Wildlands. This was, I would, I guess it wasn't a recommendation, but Barry pointed that out to me, thinking I would like it. And so I picked it up. It's by John Billman, and it was published this year. Um, oh, really? didn't know it was new. A new yeah. book. Yeah, I mean, it just came out in June yeah. or July. Uh, it's 368 pages, fourteen ninety-nine on Kindle, and $25 hardback on Amazon. Um, the general premise is looking for people that have just gone missing, and they can't find any trace of them, really. Um, it kind of centers around one case, uh, Jacob Gray, I think he went missing in 2017 from olympic national park up in washington so the author kind of inserts himself into the search uh they don't find any kind of trace of the guy and so he's lacing this uh, search in with all the other missing people across the country from the wildlands of north america and talking about how no one's actually keeping track of any of it the department of the interior is not keeping a database and even then the national forest service isn't part of the uh department of the interior and so really there's no no one out there who is no really knows how many people are missing um one guy they talk about he's the author of uh, missing 411 books And it's Jared, I think described it as missing people. That's all get tied back to Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) That's from, Um, but so he brought this guy up because he's really the only person that's keeping track of anything. And he, he came up with a kind of a list of things that are common between all missing cases. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it it was pretty weird. Just how many different things are in common, but with, with these people that go missing with, they have no, that won't possibly ever be found. Uh, they just wander off a trail and a lot of, Oh, one of the things was they, when they do find the body, they, it's already in a, it's in a place they've already searched before. So they've somehow, missed it but I can I can see that happening when you're in the wilderness you you walk by and you're combing an area 30 yards wide or something like that you're gonna miss something especially when you're chasing uh, the sunset
0: yeah and thick vegetation and stuff
1: yeah Uh, but overall I thought it was really good the was a really enjoyable read and I pretty much flew through it in less than a week I would recommend it to anybody. You're going to have to be a little tolerant of some Bigfoot stuff because it's <laughs> the only person that's tracking it is a Bigfoot guy.
2: Yeah. There's um, a squatch in these hills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's got to be Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, I do think it has made me start questioning whether Bigfoot's out there or not. <laughs> but it I... is not the c- central premise of the book. Go ahead, Barry.
0: I'm on the fence about Bigfoot. I would uh I want to believe it just seems like this day and age with game cameras and drones and the amount of activity in the wilderness, surely there would be some even semi-legitimate evidence. Uh, well,
1: it. Stephen Ronella also says that the uh, Florida panther is endangered down in Florida. There's only like few of them. Yet, yet they find them dead on the road every year.
0: Right, like, somebody would have run one over. Bigfoot dead on the road. Yeah, yeah.
2: Jared, are you a believer? Um, i I don't know. I don't think so.
0: I like that answer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so.
2: I've seen some strange things in in the wilderness, but I, <laughs> I I can't say they were related to to Bigfoot.
1: Jared does believe in the jackalope, though.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yep,
0: I believe in uh, the chupacabra. I think there's chupacabras out there, and maybe a Loch Ness monster. Now, something in the in the depths. Of the ocean or of these deep lakes that we haven't discovered that I can get on board with for sure. There's some strange
2: things down there, man. Yeah.
0: John was there The book was specific to national parks. Wasn't it? The missing wildlands people. is what it says. Wildlands. Okay. One story he talks about is this guy that
1: went missing up in Canada I can't remember exactly where, but that you have to take a train out there, and that's the only thing that runs through this Canadian bush. And they're they still think this guy is out there, just living in the wild. Like they'll leave things out for him, and they'll go missing. <laughs> and um, I mean, there's the animals out that. there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they like get pick, picked up. It's not like, uh, a grizzly came and tore into a. Oh backpack and ate all the food and the backpack's not edible, so
0: it moved on. Left that. Yeah, so it's pretty weird shit out there. Have you guys ever heard of the uh they talked about this a couple weeks ago on the Meat Eater podcast? The dead zone, basically within Yellowstone National Park. So it's it's in Wyoming, Montana, and uh Idaho. The dead zone or the park? The park is within those three states. The dead zone, if I remember right, and I'll fact check myself after this, is in Idaho. And it's in such a low population area that if you murdered somebody in that dead zone in Idaho, they would not be able to conjure a jury up to convict you of that murder. I see it. So, um,
2: what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> some some attorney actually did their their thesis paper on this, and then it also inspired a uh, fiction novel that I think I sent to you guys is by C.J. Box. I cannot remember the name of it right now, but uh, it's in it's in a stretch of it's one of those. You know how mystery books are. There's like four hundred of them. So yeah.
1: Uh uh this the missing four one one guy talks about there being clusters of missing people. And I was watching a documentary that he had put together and there's Pecos was specifically mentioned really as one of the clusters. Whoa. Yeah, three or four people when uh he mentioned my mom talked to me about somebody that was missing or some guy that was missing a couple of years ago while they were visiting, and we saw that sign for that lady. When we went up to Gloria yeah,
2: Mall. she
0: included no, she was not in the movie, so well, she didn't go missing up there though she went missing from Santa Rosa, New Mexico, oh I right? and then they found her vehicle there, right we should we should have taken a picture of that thing. I
1: thought they found her vehicle at that spot, and that's
0: where they just never saw her again. Shit, I'll just let me just run up there this weekend and double check. I'll bite that bullet. Uh, Amazon reviews, let's hear them.
1: Oh, they right, got the first foot. one, no, <laughs> whoa. Um, for this from M Lock One Star, why is a Kindle book $14? What's, what was the name? M Lock, in walk, M Lock, tone lock. Oh, I why is the book fourteen dollars? <laughs> because <laughs> it's brand new. Uh, several of these doesn't anyone do any basic fact checking anymore? Really, I really tried to like this book, but the premise the premise is interesting. But the author and many of the experts he hangs out with could not care less about simple fact checking. The next one is fiction should not be part of nonfiction. <laughs> Um, was, I, you know, I don't
0: entirely agree with that. Yeah, we'll talk. We can talk about some weird shit in this world, and you... yeah, well, and when you're talking about people just disappearing without a trace,
1: yeah, yeah. it's not like you're dealing with atoms colliding,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Bring it, bring it back down to our reading level, now, John. Please, <laughs> well, <laughs> and the two
1: the, the book on that same topic is. Whenever there's a person missing, psychics always insert themselves and start helping out and sending tips. And that's probably like 90% of the tip. That's just my own opinion. Uh, Bullshit tips
0: that police departments receive is just psychics trying to be right. Shoot, though, if you're right that one time, it'd probably make your career as a psychic. I'm sure there's a study on uh, pundits' uh,
1: predictions out there, how often they're right. Um, but wrapping that up, uh, John, I'd recommend the book. Like I've already said, he has another book that he wrote in 2009 called when we were wolves calling stories. I don't know if I'll be checking it out though. doesn't.
0: What did you do? When we were wolves and what was the subtitle? Stories. Oh, that's all. <laughs> By John Billman. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, let's hear about
2: yours. All right. Uh, so I, I picked up this book really when all the racial tensions started coming about here recently, and uh, I just guess I just kind of wanted to educate myself on on the on the situation pretty much everything was sold out on Amazon. So I decided to get this book on segregation and it is feel free to ask questions at any time. And uh, so it took me a while to get through this book. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of data in this and there's a lot of stories of, uh, of, of, basically the divide that these cities have caused and that, you know, are still happening today. So a lot of this, a lot of it is obviously during segregated times. And to be honest, I really didn't really understand segregation until kind of diving into this book. And that's because I don't think when we were going to school, we really weren't educated like this deeply on the subject.
0: I don't know if I remember ever talking about it other than the the civil rights. That was my education. The main, the main, main, yeah, the main characters of the civil rights movement.
2: And that, and and that was pretty brief. Right. And so, so kind of, I'll tell you one thing that really... So African-American war veterans coming home, looking for work, uh, basically, they couldn't find it. And when they did find it, they were building projects for, uh, for other veterans coming home. But they weren't allowed to live there because they were black. It was for black or other color so they were building these projects for is this world war Two? yes yes and so man there's just there's just so much detail in this book that i'm gonna have a really hard time regurgitating all of it
0: what did you take from it
2: Basically, that I wish we were probably a little more educated from, uh, you know, high school or, or or junior high. I wish they would kind of educate more on this subject, but they really they on really how it, Like
0: on how it got to be really where it is.
2: Right, right, and where where we're at now, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the problems that we have, or you know, my are probably because of this this divide that the government created way back when.
0: When, uh, When was the book published?
2: The book was published in... 2017.
0: Okay, so it's newer. Very new. Did it cover any specific timeframes, or was it like a general history?
2: Uh, kind of a general history, and it, it, it really talks about like the uh, Federal Housing Association. Uh, they would back a, a lot of mortgages that, I wish I knew real estate a little more.
0: Well, in the <laughs> banking world, thing called redlining, which is basically where, and it's illegal now, but it's basically where, as a bank, you still hear about it though. Whereas a bank, you say it's basically eliminating entire neighborhoods is not qualified for a mortgage, regardless of the credit worthiness of the
2: right of the borrower. Right, and that that's that's they definitely went over a lot of that. Um, it's kind of. And like just hearing, just reading stories on on whole uh, neighborhoods getting wiped out because of a highway, um, basically against against the against their will. Yeah,
0: I can and they, see that. Too. And they
2: weren't going through white folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they probably didn't get paid the they probably didn't get paid the premium you typically would if the government was wanting to build a
2: highway through your property. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, another thing reading this, there, there, I think it, ha- it happened a lot in a lot of neighborhoods that when you went under contract and you bought a house, you were not allowed to resell to a person of color that was in really? that was in writing and it was if, like a,
0: a deed restriction
2: yes yeah so there were a few examples of of uh of like a homeowner selling to someone of color and just absolute mayhem happening in in, in the subdivision It's really eye opening i i'm not doing the book any justice if you could tell
0: me the one thing that i should take away from you reading it, what would it be?
2: Oh, one thing that, that I would I don't want to say, hold on, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on. I feel like me making that comment makes me sound like a racist. <laughs> what would you tell if you could tell somebody one thing that you took from the book? Well, you already said to be better educated about it in time, so
2: yeah i I think I think that would <laughs> that would be something I would tell anyone.
0: What actions can we take to help the
2: situation nowadays? I don't know I, I can't solve the problem, I don't think I can solve the problem.
0: I can't eat that's part of the problem
2: meaning when it comes to real estate, I'm not a person that's able to to, to make that change for is it if that makes any sense, I'm not in that position, I'll work with fish
0: oh so it it was written from the standpoint of like literal segregation like.
2: Y'all right. Yeah,
0: live, y'all are gonna live on this side of town. Oh, yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was thinking. I guess I was thinking more broadly than that. Well, that's interesting that
2: it's boiled no. down to that level. It's it's literally all, all about housing, and the, just the way they they zone their school districts. Man, they're like was. Well, was insane that they would go through that kind of trouble just to keep the school segregated.
0: Yeah. And that still happens, I think. And that's one reason I like the, the right to choose mm-hmm. because I think that, uh, to really level the playing field,
2: mm-hmm. so to
0: speak, uh, and this is America, I think everybody has the opportunity to get to the same finish line Mm-hmm. And that finish line is whatever you can imagine it to be, but right. uh, I, w- I would agree that we're not all starting from the same starting line. But I think yeah. I think the right to choose your school uh, and and yeah. your education,
2: you know, and the can, has a big factor actually, in that. Yeah, the and the author kind of uh, he kind of argues that point. Uh, he, he goes over a few studies that you majority of the people, anyone doesn't matter what color you are. Majority of, of people, um, end up equally successful as their parents. Yeah. Meaning so if, if, if your parents are, you know, doing pretty well, have no problems with money educated with money then you're you're probably gonna be pretty successful but if you're coming off you know coming from a uh, uh, not so fortunate neighborhood or a ghetto it's going to be hard
0: yeah uh, Dave chappelle has a bit about uh, his he had a white buddy he said he grew up in the poor part of a middle-class white neighborhood. Uh-huh. And so he went to a white school and he talks about the first time he went to his white friend's house and went back to his parents and he goes, you guys got some explaining to do. He's like, everything works at Billy's house. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I can't, I was going somewhere with that, but the, um, uh, Oh, I remember where it was in one of, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. And I'm gonna I'm gonna screw this all up, but he talks about in the black community in particular, and it's getting to be a problem in the white community too. Uh, it's that first of all, a lot of kids are being born out of wedlock. There's not dads in the house, but on top of that, right. the dads are young. And then a lot of times they're ending up in jail for whatever reason. That's probably a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, if the dad gets arrested, if the dad has you out of wedlock and then gets arrested, that makes the kid something like 200 times more likely to do the exact same thing and then that makes right. their kid something like 800 times more likely to do it. It was ridiculous numbers. And I'll try to fact check myself on that too. But so anyways, we can't solve all the world's problems on bourbon books. I mean,
1: it podcast. does too. No, no. Uh, there's a study out there that just says just even having books in the house increases a um, person's chance of success in life like tenfold or something like that. Not even being, you don't even have to be readers, just having them in the house.
0: Uh, You know what that is?
1: What's that? Osmosis?
0: That's a check in the paper column. Yes,
1: it is. That's why I I do plan to keep my books. So like kids can look at them and go like, why are you reading this uh, pet cemetery? This looks good. (laughs) Should we read this tonight?
0: (laughs) Speaking of books, not to get too far off topic here, but recently was reading articles on how to read a hundred books in a year. You know, one of them was to have a active bookshelf in a somewhere you'll see it often. And what they meant by active was you take books you've read and you take them off and you take them to a used bookstore and you sell them and you buy a new book and put the book on there. But I'm with John. I like keeping my books. My aim cause Kathy doesn't like having books out in the house, which is why I've got them in the man cave. But my aim is to one day have a cabin in the mountains that is just completely lined with books, floor to ceiling on all four walls. So anyways, Jared, would you recommend this book to people? Was it worth reading? Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it was definitely worth reading. It was it was really educational. I I it like I said, it took me a long time. There, I mean, there's so much data being.
0: Sounds like sounds like there's a so technical much books.
2: Yeah, there's so much stuff being thrown at you. I, I had a hard time reading it, but I I slowly made my way through it. I would I would definitely recommend it. And I, I looked for. Uh, one star reviews and there are i've because i can't
0: i'm anxious to hear them
2: because you're missing chapter three. Oh, i, I hate those those are the most <laughs> common
0: not, one star reviews too
2: <laughs> there's a lot of that i'm not missing chapter three but there's a lot of there's a lot <laughs> of other stuff and there's other and there's other uh one star reviews and they need to fact check this book and i'm like dude there are like eighty something pages of where the author cited his work, so heavily indexed. Maybe not eighty. I'd say more like fifty still that uh
0: those are the most com- common common one star reviews on Amazon, I think or complaints about the physical status of the book. Like some that a lot of a bunch that I saw on Lonesome Dove that we discussed in episode twelve, uh, titled Vindo Tamales Spicy, was uh, in the newest edition of Lonesome Dove, the foreword is by the author, and apparently there's a spoiler alert in there. So keep that in mind if you pick that one up. So Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Give it a read. What'd you read, Barry? I read "Killing Crazy Horse" by Bill O'Reilly and Martin Duggard. Uh, as mentioned earlier, I'm confident Martin Duggard did uh, the majority of their writing, and they just slapped Bill, o- Bill O'Reilly's name on it to uh, sell copies. It's pretty brilliant. This, uh, yeah, no, it is. It is. I've read all of the Killing series. As I call it, it's not really a series. They're not connected together in any way. Uh, there's seven of them, I want to say. I've read all of them, but one, which is Killing Jesus, and I'm going to go get it just to, so I can knock out the series. I do highly recommend one, that one. It's pretty good. Killing Jesus? Good to know. The uh, This one was not their best work. It wasn't as compacted as the others. But with this one too, you're looking at a span of 150 years uh, and not just an isolated incident. This is something that was happening across the country. Uh, But a lot of it is set in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, um, which I really enjoyed because uh, for one, I'm familiar with the areas. And I'm also familiar with the tribes in the areas, which um, there was a bunch of Uh, particularly the Comanche and the Apache. Uh, The book was uh, probably a 10,000-foot overview of the times in general, uh, and the times being as the white settlement was pushing west beyond the Mississippi River. This is primarily post-Civil War uh, into the very early 1900s. The uh, the book does a good job of covering the major battles within the book. I mean, within the time period, uh, the major battles being typically the last one between the whites and whatever the particular tribe was. Uh, it also covers the battle of Little Bighorn, which I thought was very well written from a standpoint of being entertaining and suspenseful. One thing about all the Killing Series books that I don't mind saying and goes back to what we said about there being some fiction in a nonfiction book. I don't know how to the detail historically accurate these books are, but they're good to understand, uh, the key points of the particular events and also, uh, in a way that is entertaining and readable Uh, to a fiction standpoint like there's things like dialogue between people that I just don't see anybody could have any how anybody could have any way of knowing what the context was or the dialogue between people was that stuff always kind of drives me nuts
1: when they're like on podcasts they're really bad (laughs) about just making up dialogue we can't know exactly what was said during these conversations but uh, right, our best effort to talk we, about business f- wars, yeah.
0: We feel like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple of things that I just took from it that I thought were interesting. Uh, the Apaches were big on distance running as a means to prepare for battles. I don't know what distance running means to them, but they also hung out uh, in the Copper Canyons area of of uh, Mexico, which is where the Tara Umara live, and they're notorious distance runners. You know, hundreds of miles at a time, uh, and then of course the Indians also were excellent horsemen and and marksmen. So, got to get your lift, run, shoot in. So, Something else I learned was uh, the Comanche, which is my favorite tribe for no particular reason other than I live on their grounds. uh, The Lords of the Plains, something I didn't know. The name Comanche, or at least the word it was derived from, which was very similar, just spelt a little different, uh, translates to mean anyone who wants to fight all the time which I, I've heard things like that before, but I always just thought it was kind of something people said. But uh, to hear it actually translate to that was pretty interesting to me. He's talking about
1: uh, hell or high water.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and hell or high water, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But there's a scene in the movie where one of the characters, the white man is talking to an Indian after some – headache over a poker game and uh the Indian says I'm a Comanche which means or he says Comanche translates to be everybody's enemy and then the white guy who's a bank robber not a good person says Do you know what that makes me then and he says a Comanche so it's a good good movie good scene uh, if you want to learn more about the Comanches, the best book I know about them is uh, Summer, Empire of the Summer Moon by S.C. Gwynn. Uh, it's an excellent read. Uh, it's, it's a good mix of storytelling and historical data, and that one I would say is historically accurate. And S.C. Gwynn was also on Joe Rogan, episode 1397. They talked a lot about it if you want to go that far. And something else I learned about was, uh, the vision quest. I've always kind of wondered what that entailed. One that was specifically mentioned in this book was a, a, a trip into the wilderness by yourself, uh, where you fast the entire time. It's 48 hours in, in this particular journey. Uh, and then he returned home and went to the sweat lodge, which I liked cause I'm a big uh, fan of the sauna. So how they had them back then, I don't know. I imagine it was smoky in there.
2: A sweat lodge.
0: I imagine it's a tent with some hot coals and they pour water over it, kind of like a sauna. Yeah, steam it up a little bit. And I thought that was cool too that they even were doing things like that back in the day. But anyways, the book, I recommend it. Uh, I sent it to John for his birthday. Happy birthday, John. Appreciate it. And uh, I would recommend reading all all the Killing Series books. They're all good in their own way. I think my favorite one is probably Lincoln.
1: I think they're a great way to decide if you want to go deeper on a subject.
0: Yes. That's a good way of putting it. And you could go deeper in lots of different ways. You know, if you read uh I'll do killing Kennedy just because I have recently been deeper on things with him you could decide to go deeper on Cuba or deeper on the mob or deeper on Kennedy himself or the Kennedy family or on Lee Harvey Oswald or Russia you know and I didn't, you know, I didn't know all that until I read that book on how many different factors were at play in there. So that's a great way of putting it. And then, uh, the books, 288 pages of reading. There's about 50 pages of index and whatnot. Uh, something I'm not too happy about is I paid $32 for it at Barnes and Noble. The hardback on Amazon is currently selling for 18 bucks. So capitalism, baby. That,
2: yep. Damn, and then, that's a jip.
0: I know. <laughs> I noticed, uh, and something I noticed through the book was several typos, which isn't a big deal to a person like me. Who's just your daily reader. I'm not a critic, uh, looking for things to point out that are bad, hmm. but, uh, I just thought it was funny. It seems like they maybe were getting a little close to their deadline and just needed to get it out. Uh, it's got a 4.6 out of 5 star rating on Amazon. It's 492 ratings. Uh, the book's only a couple weeks old. I just happened to be in Barnes and Noble the day it came out and to be a fan of the books, so I snagged them. Uh the my favorite one star review was by Robson de Souza Bittencourt. The title was Shamelessly Prejudiced. Uh prejudice was misspelled. He said, What a horrible book. I had to stop before I finished the first chapter because I was about to gouge my eyes out. So uh some of the other comments were the rest of them were generally revolving around how the book is biased. Uh what's funny is a lot of the biased point of views nobody could decide which way they're coming from whether it was biased from an indian standpoint or biased from the white man's standpoint and they also said it was bloody which it is because it was the indian wars and they uh, were merciless so that's all i got one thing i didn't know uh so the the United States and the Indians from the Black Hills area uh, are still trying to work out a settlement from all this, apparently. And I heard this somewhere else, not out of the book. But the Indians are holding out. They've got something like a six $6 billion fund sitting for them. And they're still holding out, asking for their land back. And one thing I didn't know was that within the Black Hills there is a carving, a Mount Rushmore style carving in the uh mountain of uh maybe a crazy horse. I can't it's remember. It's a crazy horse. It is crazy horse. That's not what you wanted to talk it about. Is. Oh
1: no, you're you're I'm fine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to. Uh, do, you, do you care to elaborate anymore? Yeah. We when I was a kid. <laughs> so this had to be early two thousands. We went up to Mount Rushmore on a Montana trip. It's Mount Rushmore's in South Dakota. Um, as we were leaving, you could see this carving in the mountain, and it's a Crazy Horse Monument. I just assumed that they'd only been working on it for a few years, and that it was in a few more years they were going to finish it up. That's wrong because I went and like one of the checking on the progress a while back. They started this thing in 1948. They had been working on it for 72 years. <laughs> um, I mean, and not, it's not actually actively working on it. They get some money and they work on it some more and get some money and work on it some more. So this thing has been going for 72 years. They're going to
0: forget what he looked
1: yeah. like. Uh, the the thing was actually started by, um, Henry Standing Bear, but not to be confused with the Henry Standing Bear from the critically acclaimed Longmire
0: TV show. Highly recommend, by the way. Yes. I'm going to start working on those books before too long, just for everybody to know. One funny thing about this
1: is this uh, monument is in Custer County, South Dakota.
0: Oh. You know, I I don't understand why Custer is hailed as a hero. <laughs> he was kind of a, kind of a fuck up, best I could tell. And that battle of Little Bighorn was definitely a clusterfuck. Uh, he basically just thought he could waltz right in there and do whatever he wanted. So. Well,
1: I think it was kind of the racism at the time, too. He's the, he was the martyr killed by the evil Indian. And yeah, that, that's, that's true. the story that kind of filtered its way through to us. And he was just a moron. Who's He was a narcissist through and through,
0: too. Yeah, big time. And he graduated last in his class at uh, West Point. Got demoted after and, the Civil War. Yeah, got demoted and I think even left the military. And they brought him back to go fight the Indian Wars, which probably – In their eyes was like, let's just send this idiot out there to do it.
1: (laughs) They can't, can't do any worse than we're
0: already doing. Right. (laughs) So, um, but it was good. Um, I recommend it and all the others. Give them a, give them a purchase, buy them on Amazon, which is not something you hear me say often, but $15 savings is significant when it comes to a book. Yeah. You can get two of them for the same price (laughs) yeah
1: it's almost amazing too to me that barnes and noble cannot compete and they have not found a way to compete either in price
0: i don't know mine just rearranged the entire store and i can't find a damn thing in there doesn't make any sense the way it is. And there's no Stephen King books in there anymore. That's because they want you to buy it from Amazon. They're, they're tired of working. Yeah. Apparently, (laughs) apparently they do. So, Anyways, Jared, you're running a marathon next weekend.
2: Yep. On the 3rd, October 3rd. Why
0: don't you tell us a bit about that, how it came about.
2: Well, whenever, uh, Philly got canceled. I started looking for some some marathons. I've kind of been working on a base here over the summer and during COVID, and feeling pretty good. But uh, we or no, we I was trying to look up a race, trying to find a, a good day, and this one popped up. And it's been a while waiting to see if they were going to run it live or not. And sure enough. They're running it live. So signed up and going to give it a go. It's about uh, 1,300 feet elevation gain, and, and uh, that's it's going to be the hilliest course I've run.
1: Did you tell us the name so of it? So
2: far, so. Oh, it is the New River Marathon Are you in Fleetwood, uh, North Carolina.
1: Are you concerned about getting Giardia while
0: you're running this race?
2: Oh. Fever, well fever. i'm gonna be camping so
0: oh really where are you camping? Wait, wait 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 uh the new river marathon you may recognize that name from episode three when john told us he ran a half marathon yeah. that- anyways go ahead
2: where are you camping at jerry Don't, no I, i'm just camping there at the start finish line village they're gonna open it up to campers and and uh other you know tent camping Kind of excited about that. Might meet some cool people. I don't know.
1: Maybe your future wife.
2: Yeah, you might know. listen, I've been praying about it. <laughs> Good. That's
0: all <laughs> just, you can do.
2: Just kidding.
0: They'll pop into your life out of the <laughs> least expected area. Like I'm having
1: I'm having so much fun right now, just being single and living my life, and then one will show up and you
2: uh, next thing you know, you're married. Hell. She, she might be faster than me, catch a draft. That's what you
0: want, man. Maybe then you'll qualify for Boston. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> is this one uh, is this a Boston qualifier?
2: It is. It is. I, I'm not expecting to qualify for Boston. I'm going to give it a go, but I, I think it may be a few minutes short. I don't know. The elevation has me messed up not the the elevation itself but the gain
0: yeah yeah it's a hilly well truck, tobacco right? road yeah tobacco road <laughs> might be a better option
2: yes sir for that john. john
0: john in episode three also you mentioned you might be willing to run the 10k at tobacco road it's got till march right. Hell yeah uh, i'm all I'm right getting my shit on shit in order so hopefully that'll fall in there yeah, stand by to get some. I'm going for the full. I'm going to do it, I think. He's going to do it. You heard it here. I
2: don't see why not.
0: I'm going to try. Hey, I hadn't missed a run, uh, believe it or not. I missed one this week because uh, I fell off a ladder and then banged up a little bit. But uh, aside from that, I had missed a run in sh- – over a month at least i'm trending i'm trending the right way they may not be they may be run walks which is i'm ashamed of but uh whatever i'm still getting the miles in ain't
1: nothing wrong.
0: Yeah, On just gotta get back in the groove yeah if i could lose about 20 pounds i think i'd be a lot better shape and uh i've been drinking coffee before i go run and i'm gonna try not doing that to see if i how i feel i think it gets my heart rate up higher than it would be under regular circumstances
2: it's Have to make you piss too
0: no i really i don't pee like a lot of people that i know yeah i can drive seven hours and not have to stop still damn
1: no, I'm going to have to piss during that. It's going to hit me at that time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> not saying you don't have to, just. <laughs>
1: but, like, when I find out I have to piss, it's I've got like four hours to make it to a bathroom. Damn.
2: When it hits me, I got to go. Like the other day on my run, on my long run, I uh, it hit me, and uh, I was in a pretty urban environment. Luckily, I found a, a nice bush and then a car. it's breakfast up time. I'll play. Well, that's beaver
1: fever right there.
0: I, uh, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm driving, I will stop to piss just because I want to be comfortable while I'm driving. But if I'm running, I can, I can be okay. But I remember one, one person. Uh, John, when we were exploring the south, we couldn't go 27 minutes in the vehicle without having to stop and pee. And so I don't know why. I don't know large prostate or what, but goodness. (laughs) So, well, good luck, Jared. We will – our next recording that will be in the books. So look forward to talking about it. Yeah. Looking forward to it. What was your training like to maintain a base to be ready? Cause you just registered for this thing in less two or three weeks, right?
2: Yeah. About the night probably like a week and a half ago, but uh, it's so, Basically building a building a base and going off of the advanced marathoning book here. So after Oh, you're an advanced after marathoner. For that 16 miler. Well no. I just read the book. I just read the book now. I don't know.
0: How many have no. you run? Three? Four?
2: Uh two with an ultra.
0: So I uh, bet you a lot, and the last, last year, year, right? Yeah, since marathon to marathon year. last October. That's a, I would
2: imagine this about one year since. A, there's
1: a lot of people in this country that have run a marathon. I bet you there's much, much fewer that have run
0: two.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd like. I'd, I'd like see. to see
0: those numbers. Actually, that'd be interesting to see. Much less in the same year. After I ran mine, I I went and ran four miles the next weekend, and then I gained. I proceeded to spend the next two and a half years gaining sixty five pounds.
2: You gotta stay on. And now, now,
0: if you follow this podcast, you'll see that uh, it'll probably never be the same for me. So we'll see. Though I may come back stronger than ever, but I agree. That was the thing. That was the problem. As I is I stopped. I should have two days later gone and run like a 5k and then done another one like two days later. And then I'd have been
2: right back to running. Well, it's the reverse taper. You got to spend at least four weeks recovering from a, from a marathon. And, uh, So why don't you tell just us about that? Because
0: nobody, nobody told me anything about
2: the reverse oh, taper. Mean, so you're, you're, you're going through so much stress during a marathon because you're pushing, right? So your body's basically breaking down. You can't just come right out the gate two days later and, and hit a freaking you know, 10 miler or something. You got to give your, your body time to recover. It's that recovery period. So you, you, it's going to get, it's going to take time to get back to that point you were before the marathon. You know what I mean? It, it's always,
1: just so everyone knows, this is for pussies. This is what pussies do
2: after no, after a marathon. No, this is what prof- <laughs> this is what professionals do. You got it, dude. You've got to recover, man.
1: A real man runs a marathon the
0: next day. Yeah, I was about to say that's what Cam Haynes does. Listen, it's like that's <laughs> how he recovers <laughs> from. It. He shakes out from the marathon by running another. Yeah, marathon. but
2: you, I mean, you could do it. I mean, people do it. There there was a podcast I listened to. She ran 97 marathons in 97 days. So it's totally, totally possible. But you, you're not when you, – I mean – You're not giving it your full effort every marathon if you were to go back to back to back to back like that. You know what I mean? You're just trying to make it through the miles.
0: Right. You're just proving a point. I was listening to uh, Lex Friedman on Joe Rogan today, and I didn't really know much about him. But he, during COVID, he, during COVID, went on and said, uh, I'll do – for every like this gets, I'll do one push up and one pull up every day for the next thirty days. And he said his posts usually got like two hundred likes, and this one got twenty thousand or something.
2: Well anyways, like to see somewhere along
0: on. that yeah, anyway, somewhere along that way, David Goggins got clued into it, you know, and gave him a Goggins speech. But uh anyways, what Lex was saying. And Goggins did it too, but he doubled everything Lex did. But what, what Lex was saying was he would post videos of stuff and people were like, your push-up form isn't right. And he'd be like, fuck y'all. I'm just trying to get through the push-ups, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And same thing. Like, if you're running 26 marathons and, or whatever, two marathons even back-to-back, that second one ain't going to be about breaking a record time. It's going to be about getting it
2: done yeah get on getting it in so it's it's pretty amazing just be able to do that you never finished talking
0: about building your base i don't think
2: oh yeah 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 so so basically basically before the 16 miler they're in the hell hole swamp i was averaging about 30 miles i wanted to build it up to 50 so i eventually got to that 50 miles in a a few weeks and just kept working working on speed working on tempo getting those intervals getting those long runs in and uh eventually the i saw this marathon come up i said i'm gonna start training for this it was a very short window but i had the base there so
0: right well if your base i mean if you can hop in at 18 miles pretty easy
2: yeah I mean I I've I've never run this much in my life. But it's pretty
0: Well, it's that vegan diet probably. I don't know. Are you running 50 miles a week, he said?
2: Uh, I was averaging 50 over the last few months, I believe. Nice. Nice. So John speaking go ahead. Speaking of
1: maintaining your base, I know you're really excited about this marathon, but what I'm most excited about is us going to Chewy's in Charlotte after the marathon.
2: Look, look, I know, I know where you're going, John. There will be no restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes, be. baby. <laughs> I'm talking beef fajita, big as the old face burrito.
1: You're gonna be dying to get there. I, I've been there before where I, I've done a race. Like, well, I'm gonna go to I'm going to Papados to eat. And it's two hours it's all away. all you thought about the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't need any food. I'm going to Papado's. And you're just driving and you're like,
2: oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember not- back when uh when I was training for my marathon, I'd be on my eighteen or twenty milers. And I'll be on like mile ten. I'm like just get through this, and you can go get you a tall boy Corona. And I'm like just keep going. <laughs> that's what got me through. It's also what helped me gain sixty pounds after I quit running because <laughs> I kept I kept one of those habits, but not.
2: <laughs> but man, dude, run, running's hard, man. But once once you get back into it and you have that that base built, I mean it it gets easier
0: it gets a lot easier it's it's pretty uh it's pretty it's pretty mind blowing really cuz i remember when i was at that stage where i was running sometimes 10 or 12 miles during the week before i would go yeah. to work yeah and it really wasn't that big of a deal and then i'd go do something like run 4 and it, i wouldn't even break a sweat hardly while i was doing it it was like a warm up whereas now I see four, and I'm like, all right, that's what we're doing today. We're calling in Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's all we're getting done. But I'll get back there, I think. I just – I think the biggest problem for me, I've got – I ran six and a half last Sunday uh, pretty – I wouldn't say it was easy, but it didn't kill me either. Uh, but really, where my problem is is my ankles and knees hurt, and that's just from carrying too much weight. So
2: I just drop some pounds, and you got to build the strength. John, are those the torrents? What are those? V Oh snap! Pop my chair. I can't see. John just whipped out a pair of ultras, the V hose. So, John, sharp, you man. are
0: you are going to start running. We got six We're months. You able uh, to go? Yes. Hell day. Look at that. We converted someone. Well, Jared, we'll be cheering you on from afar. Or I will. John, you'll just be in the neighborhood. Yeah, I'm you'll not that good of a right? friend
1: that I'm going to go watch.
0: I'm just going to meet. No,
2: him. I, I, I don't expect anyone to watch this.
0: Well, I, um, so when I announced on Strava, I announced in episode 11, the cabin session. If you haven't listened, go listen. It's probably our best episode, I think. But, uh, I announced that for my 31st birthday, I want to run a 50 K, which is 31 miles plus or minus. And when I announced that on Strava after my first long run, From there, I got a message from a guy here locally to me in Midland who said, hey, you should come join the Midland Run Crew, which I've kind of heard of. I just thought it was like a, you know, it's like they make (laughs) T-shirts. I'm like, I'm in. Let's do it. He said, there's a couple of us like to run ultras in here. And so I joined the group and then proceed to follow them all on Strava and Instagram. And these dudes are serious. They run, they either run or ride their bike damn near every day. Sunday may be the only day they take off and they're running like six minute miles. And so (laughs) I hadn't had the guts, like reach back out and say, guys, I'm not quite, you know, they're like, you ought to come out to these workouts. I'm like, dude, I'm going to still be on the first first straightaway on the track when you guys are going to be coming back around on me. But they are uh they are men of their words. Uh since this has just been uh just over a month over a month uh the, there's kind of four main guys within the group. Uh they all have run, they all ran a 50k at Fort Davis last weekend and have done two or three half marathons in this time and then also ride their bikes 50 miles every wednesday so wow maybe one day and then tonight at 6:30 they do the beer run so is popcorn a member of this club uh no but everybody popcorn is local hero man who's popcorn popcorn is somebody, he's at, so he owns a Chinese food restaurant here in Midland. Maybe I'll just see if he wants to come on. He owns a Chinese food restaurant here in Midland. And uh, he is 50 years old, 59 years old, I think. I thought he was 33, probably. This dude, so his restaurant that he owns is delicious. And everybody that works there is his family. The people I thought were his, like, wife and daughter are actually his daughter and granddaughter. But this sounds well this dude's age. But Jared's introduction to him was at the Marathon to Marathon when we were taking the bus out. Or no.
2: No, was it, was, when, it was at the end because he ran the half.
0: Yeah, he ran the half. In I think like, he won it. In, like, 45 minutes. It's fucking ridiculous, but when we were driving out, when I, uh, slowly 5Kers were driving out to our starting line on the bus, he was finishing the half marathon, and it was him, and then I swear we drove for two or three miles, like, basically to the 5K starting line <laughs> before we saw <laughs> another person coming in from the
2: half marathon,
0: and so... Uh, Popcorn, he does hang out with this group a little bit, but as far as I can tell, he's kind of a lone wolf. His Strava's awesome. He gets after it, oh, man. Yeah. He gets his miles in for sure. John, you'll need to get on Strava. Tyler Vance, uh, a guest on this podcast, is now on Strava. You should go give him a follow. I think so, we inspired him to start running a little bit, too. I saw him get a few miles in. But anyway, where I was going with the Midland Run crew is today they said they were going to go to the mountain bike park on Saturday to ride their mountain bikes. And I said, no, that's something I can probably hang with you guys on. Because you're, you're riding around in little circles. That'd be fun. Yeah, because they can only get so far ahead of me. <laughs> you can only go so
1: fast. They're way over there, 30 yards on the other side.
2: Mm-hmm. What are we going to ask, Jared? But, yeah, have you decided on a 50K? Do you know which one? What what are your prospects?
0: I need to wait until things open up a little bit mm-hmm. uh, coming out of COVID. There are several that time of year, uh, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. I really – my original aim was to do it on or damn near my birthday – there's some local ones when I say local, I mean, within a four hour drive uh, and kind of later, late September, early October that I may entertain. Uh, there's one at Paladero Canyon, which is my old stomping grounds. That's kind of the one I've always uh, envisioned my first ultra being at. But uh, we'll see how serious I am about actually doing it on my birthday, and I may just go do an unofficial, self-supported one. Especially with those Pacific Northwest, which ones is what don't those guys up. that ran. do Especially what, if the jump?
1: Pacific Northwest ones, don't open up.
0: Yeah, God, who knows if Trump wins, they probably won't, or if it all burns down.
2: The beauty of the trail races are there's there's more of them opening up. Yeah, as there I mean, should usually be. Usually gone, yeah. But
0: uh, so we'll see. And then there's actually one typically in San Antonio uh, that same weekend as my birthday, it looks like, which is uh, the end of August. But man, it's going to be hot in San Antonio at the end of August. And humid. So we'll see. I, I probably can hold out for the – Palo Canyon one which is usually mid-October the problem is I've already wrote down my entire training plan generally and it fit perfectly to fall on my birthday which whatever that's not a big deal I can adjust it but uh it's where it is right now so who knows we could go up to the Pecos Wilderness and try to hammer out the 50k that's about the time of year we've always gone so up to churches and back True it tips. has to be It has to be further than that. Ah, we'd have to – that'd probably be – we'd probably need to f- squeeze in about a 10K more somewhere. I kind of like that idea. Let's roll with that for the <laughs> time being. Let's not start from where we started this last time, though, because that ain't a good way to start – <laughs> Thirty-one mile run. <laughs> that was a beast. Let's <laughs> start somewhere else. There's somewhere we can start and go down. You know, it'd be cool <laughs> would be to do a uh, if we could do some kind of uh, straight through, not a out and back. So if we could park at one trailhead and finish at another trailhead, that would be cool. Let's look at that. I'm write that down. Like that. We could have just started a race right there, fellas. We could be the first ones to arrange the Pecos Wilderness.
2: Sure. Oh. 50K. I think that's already a thing. I saw something about that. From somewhere on Instagram. Well... But anyway, it won't then be They will do good that one. I don't.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, that's enough about running. John, glad to hear you're joining the party. John, what did you think of the uh, Rebecca Creek?
1: I really liked it. It was, I don't know, I was kind of surprised how good it was. To, I don't do. Uh, There's a hint of vanilla and. A note of a gooch.
0: Gooch. That's something else. I just can't taste that stuff. And I had this little book somewhere that you could like go in and like write down. You write like Rebecca Creek and then you write, you know, it's had like a circle and it was like burn and taste and flavor and you kind of make a little circle and the more complete the circle, I guess, the better the bourbon. Or whiskey, they're not the same, but I couldn't find it anywhere, but I'm gonna try to find it now that we're coming into bourbon season what do you uh how what do you think of it? That's good. I'm on my third one, so the uh I just I don't know what I'm supposed to be tasting though that's the problem, so
1: I think what you're supposed to do you're supposed to like train yourself like you look up rebecca Creek notes
0: and oh, i can know what like, i'm supposed okay, to okay, be
1: trying to text. taste yeah and
2: then
1: you, you then you can be like oh yeah i tasted that and then
0: you'll you'll notice it you'll start to know elsewhere i uh you drank yours neat though didn't you yeah i've got ice in mine Sorry. out of
2: what kind of glass um what's it
1: rocks glass With my uh, alma mater
0: on it.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Alma mater. Jared, the rocks glass I've got right here, I'm pretty sure I bought 50 of them at Walmart for like $9. Yeah, that was a
2: problem.
0: Yeah, you can throw
1: it. (laughs) You can throw it when you're watching the Razorback.
0: Or after you've just had too much whiskey in general. And anything happens. Um, last thing to discuss. We've been going for a while. It's been good though. I feel like there's a book I've always wanted to read called how to read literature like a professor. And I went and looked at the one star reviews on it. And the overwhelming majority of them said, this book ruined reading for me. And the more I got to thinking about it, I said, you know, this book probably would ruin reading for me. And the example that I think of best is there's a podcast out there, and I apologize for not knowing the name of it. But it's just one dude who covers Stephen King books exclusively, and he's got hundreds of episodes. Well, in the handful I've listened to, the the one thing that stands out most, but they're all this way, this is just a specific example I'm using, was covering Pet Cemetery, which we'll talk about soon on this podcast. And he talks about how the main character liked to i think it was put model cars together uh he liked to put model cars together and what this guy says is that is an example of his desire to solve complex problems yes uh, and when he said that i thought to myself maybe he just likes putting fucking model cars together why has it got to be some big thing about solving complex problems and then I remember one time when I was I picked this book up at Barnes & Noble and was just flipping through it, and there was a line in the book about fog being some kind of thing where the main character doesn't know what the right thing to do in the situation is. And I just got to thinking, why can't it just be foggy? And so I could see after those two examples how trying to read literature like a professor Uh, and I don't care for professors this day and age in general, but I could see how that could ruin reading for you, trying to read everything that way. My advice, and uh, y'all tell me what you think, is to just read the book and try to place yourself there. I mean, really, it should be that simple.
1: I agree. Actually, that kind of uh, made me think of another thing I wanted to talk about, too. Um, Like, when you're reading a book... And you are envisioning the setting, say pet cemetery, where the house and the road and the other house. You kind of picture those things and you make up what the characters look like and uh, the landscape. Um, but then you watch the movie, and the what happens in the movie totally replaces that that scene you've pictured in mm-hmm. your head can't even picture what you used to think it was like when I read Harry Potter that's the wizarding world of Harry Potter is told by Warner Brothers or shown by Warner Brothers and what was playing over in my head
0: right not not taking it from the book Yeah. yeah it should have been there's a reason every book goes to a movie and no book no movies go to books I think yeah Jared, any thoughts when you read literature or fiction? I even, I even hate saying the word literature. What, uh, what are you trying to get from it?
2: Entertainment. Yep. That's about it. I don't know. I like, uh, I like, I like the story changed my life. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's where I'm at too. I just want to read the story and, uh, And just try to transport my... That's one thing I liked about Lonesome Dove, too, uh, carrying over from episode 12, is that you really feel like you're a part of that with them, like you're there while it's happening. And so when I can get a book that's that way for me, that really uh, does it for me.
2: I mean, the the book I'm reading right now, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those where you're like, what are you doing? Don't fucking do that. Like you're so immersed into the book. You're, you're wanting to yell at the book. Yeah. Then you realize it's just a damn book. right? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: It's more to that. More than that to me. That's, I like to get things out of the book, like life
1: lessons, even fiction offers it too.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Absolutely. Jeff Bezos says he learns more from fiction than he does anything. That's the founder of Amazon. Yeah, but he's a billionaire. Well, yeah. So, what does that tell you? Um, I don't know. I I have I have found myself reading more fiction lately. The book I'm reading right now, which I won't name the name of, uh, but we'll cover it probably in the next podcast, is written really strange like I'll be reading I'll be like what the hell's going on here and then like in the next paragraph the narrator will say you're probably wondering what the hell's going on here and so
2: yeah yeah, I
0: kind of I kind of didn't like it at first this is the book I just bought the other night when I couldn't sleep Uh I kind of didn't like it at first but the deeper I got into it you know I kind of started thinking I'm like well something there's something's probably going somewhere with this kind of this writing style like this. And so we'll see. Stay tuned to the bourbon bookshelf podcast. You guys
1: got any closing thoughts? Keep on keeping on.
0: Yep. Jared, good luck next weekend. Can't believe next weekend's October already. So uh, thank you. We'll uh, be in touch soon. You guys have a good evening.
2: You too. You too. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to the bourbon bookshelf podcast. Our aim with this show is to encourage people to read widely, enjoy good beverages in moderation, get outside and have good conversations. We hope we can meet this goal while serving as good company for you, the listener. If you enjoy the show, please let us know by subscribing to and reviewing the podcast and following us on Instagram. If you really enjoy the podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to help us continually improve the show. You can find the link to do this in the show notes for this episode or on our Instagram page at bourbon underscore bookshelf. Thank you and we'll see you next time.